Hey everybody, it's Bevan. Welcome to Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times. It's time to start the show. My friend McKay. I'm so excited for you to meet them. Um, I need to tell you that I've already interviewed McKay for the podcast, so you are in for a double feature. And I think McKay is really, truly a light being that exhibits this, like, otherworldliness that I think transcends time and space. So whether or not you listen to the first episode first and then this episode second, as they happen in this linear time experience, um, that would be episode 44. So we're on episode 78 now, episode 44, Angel Numbers, which I just think is so significant. And the last episode from this episode, from on this podcast last week, 77, that was with Jeffrey Marsh, which was also a very special episode with another non-binary light being. I'm just so graced by incredibly kind and original human beings in my life. Just artsy and flamboyant and taking up space and people uh, that the name of my episode with McKay from before was, um, I give my body permission to move and take up space. And their story of just like growing up in a Mormon household, one of six kids being essentially who they are now is just gender nonconforming, right? But at the time, trying to really squish themselves into a lot of boxes that were not shaped for McKay. And I couldn't relate more. I really spent a lot of my life trying to cram myself into shapes that were for other people. I don't know. It's like I was always an oval trying to be a rhombus, right? (laughs) Or whatever. I'm like such a unique shape. I dated someone once who, um, told me that they were a specialty food. Like, not a lot of people found them desirable, but the people who did were, like, super hot for them. And I really just felt so seen by hearing that because I was like, yeah, I'm kind of a specialty food. And honestly, the weirder I get, um, I'm just like, truly, there's, like, one key for this lock. You know what I mean? And I don't really believe it like that. I think we get a lot of soulmates in our lifetime. I believe in romancing our friends and courting our friends and telling people we care about them. And really just, like, having really well-rounded relationships in life that include long-term friendships, right? Um, But also, like, you know, in terms of dating and desirability, sometimes your specialty food. I found that reassuring. Anyway, a specialty food in my life is McKay Gordon. And uh, they taught me about the Free Britney movement um, maybe, like, a year and a half ago. Um, And it, it was something I heard, like, in pop culture, but I didn't really understand what was going on. And... There is a really interesting thread of human in my life. They're like a an early 30s, mid 30s, uh, queer, um, probably masculine or male um, that grew up as like maybe a gay male early experience who like totally and um, totally has memorized the entirety of the Britney oeuvre, like dance moves songs, like, really, really just impressed with Britney. It was like Britney was a portal to, like, the first stop, the train stop on on the train to Gay Town uh, for middle schoolers in that time. You know what I mean? Like, just, like, back when you recorded things on VHS tapes so that you could play them back and, like, memorize dance moves from Pepsi commercials. Like, Britney has been a cultural icon for a very long time, and I'm excited to talk about this, mostly because I'm really passionate these days of just, like, empowering artists to create what they need to create in this world and what they're here to create. Um, and I think Britney Jean Spears did that with the kind of classic pop star route, right? Um, but I really think there's a lot of possibility in these times where we get the opportunity to directly interact with our fans. 
I am completely supported almost entirely by a Patreon page. Patreon is a website that allows folks like you to support creators like me who make work that's valuable to them. Um, I have it specifically for and about my aerobics class, Fat Kid Dance Party, uh, which is for anyone who feels left behind by mainstream fitness. If you've ever been called uh, too fat, too much, or felt too awkward to dance, this is the supportive class for you. It's really meant for anyone who feels left behind by mainstream fitness, but wants a space of radical belonging. We have a Zoom class on Saturdays that is so much fun, and any tier of benefits at patreon.com slash fkdp, which stands for Fat Kid Dance Party, any tier gets access to those classes. So if you think you'll ever come once, um, it's totally worth it for the two bucks a month, right? Um, Anyway, I love teaching that class. It is truly like the joy of my heart. Last week, last minute, I decided, because it it was Fat Kid Dance Party's birthday, and I have to say, I have never once celebrated the birthday of this class. I have put in four years of work creating this thing. My very first class was March 2nd in 2017. It was not yet two months after my grandmother passed away, and my grandmother and I were very close. Uh, She was, I would say, one of my best friends, and... Everyone who who knows me from then knows how close I was with grandmother. And so to have started something. So, I mean, I knew I was doing it. It's not like I was just like, poof, I'm going to do this class. I was supposed to start it right when she was dying. And I was like, I can't be here right now. I can't sign this contract. And because um, we had actually, I, I think originally I was supposed to start it in September. So what if Becky Dance Party had been like a Libra, you know? It's like, I'm really trying to understand the difference between just like bumbling through this earth place, but also understanding there's a divine order to everything. And it's all working together towards this amazing next level of humanity. Um, And I really do think it was not a coincidence that McKay and I lived in LA at the same time. I don't think it was a coincidence that I started Facky Dance Party when it started. And so this year I really got into the birth chart of the time that I started it and just seeing, it's like a very opposite the, the event birth chart of the first Facky Dance Party is the opposite of me in many ways. Like a lot of planets, a stellium in Pisces and Aries, which is just a lot of fire and water. And my primary parts of my chart are Capricorn and Scorpio. So um, it, was, it just feels really different. And so it's really, been really interesting to just think about that. And McKay is one of my astrology nerd friends. And so um, just sent me the nicest text messages, like kind of looking at the chart and being like, oh, Virgo North Node, just like her mama. And uh, also a Taurus Moon, because at Faggy Dance Party, we learn how to have home within ourselves. So, right. So I make these amazing aerobics that really just talk about like how you can be you, right, in this one body that you have today. And I also do on-demand aerobics as a tier in the Patreon page. Uh, That's 25 bucks a month. It includes all the Zoom classes. Plus you get six classes to choose from, a 10-minute, a 20-minute, two 55-minute classes, a chair aerobics class, and a 45-minute canicize class that's a slower pace and it's more repetitive choreography to accompany an optional cannabis experience. And all that's filmed in the woods, like I'm your camp counselor taking to Camp Bevan for your, um, I want, I wish, this, this class is what I wish PE could have been for me as a kid. Um, but it turns out I'm really picky about exercise because I was really meant to create this. So I'm excited to teach this class. This is really my life's work. And what if Britney Spears could have just had a Patreon? You know what I mean? And just like run herself and not had to go like in front of all that press to ask all those misogynist questions. 
And later in this episode, McKay and I talk about um, if we have a pop princess, if we have a pop queen, and then what's Madonna, right? And so then now I'm just going to propose this. I I was listening back to this episode, and I just want to propose perhaps we have a pop tarot, right? Like maybe we have like a lot of different pop stars that could be, I bet there is a pop tarot, but like, I, I want to think about it. You know what I mean? And just collectively decide like, cause I truly think like the like a prayer video means Madonna is the Hierophant. I don't know. Th- those are my thoughts. Also, if you're listening to this prior to March 29th, 2021, that's the year that we're in right now. Cause I know some of y'all are listening to this like way further down in time and space. So hello to the future. I'm glad you're there. I'm glad that the world didn't implode and that you you get to be there and there's still podcasts for you to listen to. Um, but if you're listening to this in the now times, March 29th is our, um, is part of the Patreon page. Anybody who's a member of the Patreon gets access to this. We are doing a book club with Jeffrey Marsh. So kind. They were so kind to agree to come on a zoom 5 PM Pacific. Lots of other times. I like to write it out in the emails. Um, if you're not on the email list, get on the email list, factydanceparty.com. Uh, it'll, it's a pop-up. I don't love a pop-up, but it's an undeniable way to stay connected to people. So I did it anyway. Um, I just want to make it easy for people to stay in touch. Um, anyway, so March 29th, we're doing a book club with Jeffrey. It's going to be really tender. Um, we're going to uncover how to be you. How to be you is Jeffrey's amazing book. Listen to episode 77 after you're done with the McKay double feature. You got... Listen, I hope you have some cooking to do or something or some some cleaning, some spring cleaning maybe. So you can listen to all these episodes when you get the chance. But the Jeffrey Marsh Book Club, How to Be You, it's such a good book and it's such a good deep dive. I'm excited to get to know myself now because I know things have shifted since the pandemic. Even just listening to um, episode 44 with McKay, like I feel like I, I hear a different person. Uh, which is kind of fun. It's it's fun to grow. I love growing. It makes me feel lighter and happier and more free every time I grow a little bit more. So anyway, I hope this episode inspires you. I hope you feel uh, like you get cozy on a porch with me and McKay. I want you to just imagine we're in some cool wicker furniture and pull up your favorite childhood blanket just up around you. Tuck in and let's get on with the show. McKay, welcome back to the podcast. Hi. <laughs> Yay, I'm so Woo! excited. Woo! Let's do it. Let's cheer. Loving in-studio audience. Oh, yeah. It's like it's like our own in-studio audience. If we keep up the cheer, then everyone will cheer. Um, McKay, I'm so excited that I've already had you on the podcast before, so we can just dive into the meat of our conversations. Let's talk about Free Britney. You are the person that taught me like what Free Britney even is, like what was going on with Britney. Will you give us the like kind of background of what the Free Britney movement is for the folks who have like no idea what we're talking about or who have heard it but don't understand? Yes. So no tea, no shade, but also if you don't know, where the hell have you been? (laughs) (laughs) The end. Uh, Britney, our dear beloved Britney Jean Spears, um, Sagittarius queen of our hearts. Sagittarius. She, the princess of pop. <laughs> um, uh, let's see, quick little, first off, first and foremost, leg- Britney Spears, legendary woman with career, a career that's unmatched, mm-hmm. singular and powerful. Um, which she started, by the way, when she was so young. 
such a so young and works so hard and is crazy prolific. So she, you know the story. She's Britney Spears. She did the Britney thing. She took over the fucking world. She was the most googled woman on the planet for like six years when the internet was started. <laughs> um, and then we as a culture destroyed her, uh, or at least attempted to. What that looked like in context of the Free Britney movement, she experienced mental health complications during her uh, basically blatant and overt abuse from the media and our patriarchal culture that commodified and harmed her. In a world, in a world just prior to having real conversations and resources, like in the same time period where Amy Winehouse was uh, mocked for addiction instead of helped, uh, that led to her career. Um, well, basically, it led to her being uh, incarcerated. Isn't the right word, but I'm going to use it: incarcerated, hospitalized um, for reasons we don't know in the year 2007, and um, by 2008 being court ordered to essentially surrender all of her rights as a legal guardian of herself as a legal adult to another person. Um, she was adamant in that beginning uh, when this happened. She is on record stating, I understand that this is happening, um, that, that the state of California is going to legally be taking my rights and can it please not go to my father? It went to her father who campaigned to get himself as the proprietor of her estate, at which point she surrendered all of her legal rights as an adult. Therefore, not being able to purchase real estate, travel, drive a car, make her own career decisions, release an album because she wants to. None of those things without the consent and guidance of her father, her dad, um, also in conjunction with an attorney, all of whom uh, earn a salary for managing her estate. That's the short. And fast forward to now, it's 2021. Rural is 37, 38 years old, and mama's still in conservatorship. Still can't drive a car legally. Um, still can't go fucking sell a perfume because she wants to. She has to get daddy's permission. That's the short scope of Britney Spears' uh, free Britney movement. I feel like you told me about this, like, probably two years ago and then this new york times documentary came out about free britney recently on hulu so worth watching and horrifying to watch the media kind of eat her alive which i think we all experience it's so interesting right like because britney like is a little younger than me but got real famous like while i was a young person and so i'm like i remember the space in my life where i was when she started having kids and like now that i know more and more people who have had children i know how much of a mental toll that takes with your hormones changing and how very common it is to have postpartum depression and like and also just the stress of having two babies so close to each other they were like she was pregnant three months into having sean preston for her second baby yeah, to say nothing of, and I can't emphasize this enough because the documentary didn't. Mm -hmm. I have so many great things to say about the documentary that you just pointed out. Mm -hmm. And it's failing for me is that bitch was working. Mm -hmm. Outrageously high performing, prolific career woman. Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan levels of practice showing up and fucking like mastery of her craft. Mm -hmm. I don't say to romanticize anything, but like what I didn't love about that documentary, what I loved about it is that they really humanized her. 
I think they held the media accountable in lots of ways. They really showed how awful we were to her. But no man in her position would be given a documentary where there wasn't like a ball or reel for 10 minutes showing how fucking like ubiquitous and incredible her work and performance was. We got none of that. All we got was her personal life. And so from it's like so, I think understanding like the mothering thing, all of that, those are all pressures that are real and human. And also this woman was like operating on a level beyond. <laughs> Like woman was working her ass off. And then also, you know, Oprah describes shame as a drug. You don't know how you're gonna respond or like alcohol, you're gonna be an angry drunk. You're gonna be a happy drunk. Are you gonna be a sad drunk? Are you gonna be an alcoholic? Are you gonna be uh, two drinks and you're good? You don't know. So when that's how Oprah describes shame after talking to all the people she's talked about and also being Oprah. And so I think that added level that I of course cannot speak to and most of us cannot speak to of the amount of scrutiny that she was under and and the level of fame that she had, like all of those things are a lot. And anyway, uh, I think we've shifted now and I think it's Brittany that did it. I think Brittany is like the workhorse that bore the brunt of our sort of like brutality on celebrity women, which is not to say they don't suffer plenty of things today as well, but like there are conversations about mental health. Like Selena Gomez is allowed to go to a mental health facility just to check in for anxiety. And it's not, we're not like destroying her. Demi Lovato is allowed to overdose from heroin or whatever drug it was and is showered with love and respect from so many people. And that is a cultural shift that did not, that is brand fucking new. It didn't exist 15 years ago. And I think that like, you know, and now I am sort of overly romanticizing, but it's the perfect metaphor. She was the Jesus that got nailed to the cross to help usher in like a new, a new way of being around these topics. Yes. And now it's time to fucking raise her from the dead and free her because she's very, very alive. But I think, yeah, that's like, there's so many psychological things. Like as a fan, it's fun to talk about Britney because it's fun to talk about Britney. But also if you wanna just put a cultural lens on it and like diagnose and examine the way in which our world functions, the way in which these systems that operate function, Brittany is like infinitely rich with opportunity to discuss. I mean, totally. And also I think that um, I saw some really powerful footage um, on Instagram.com. Uh, of like, <laughs> I've heard of it. I've been, I've been uh, radicalized so frequently by Instagram.com, but I watched, I mean, they do some clips in the New York Times documentary, which by the way, could have been like six hours and was only one. Um, but they like show the way the media and interviewers are just so sexualizing and really like patronizing and specifically to women. And I saw um, an Instagram thing where they just put uh, clip after clip after clip in a row of these male reporters like sexualizing her or like focusing on her boobs instead of like her talent and her asking like a 19 year old Brittany about her virginity in front of a room full of press like what the fuck yeah gross and unnecessary and I think what is beautiful that's happening now today and I think we can really see this as with like Billie Eilish and Jojo Siwa like 
these, um, the way these young people in, um, get to have their own relationship with their fans. They don't have to go through a label, even though they, I think they both have labels, but they don't have to go through the media machine in the same way. They get a lot more control over who they work with and staying aligned with their values, which like, you know, is refreshing to see. And I really heard about it in Mariah's autobiography, which by the way, is a must read. Have you read it yet? You know, you're not the first to suggest it. And in fact, you have suggested it. And no, but it's on my list. I canceled, my, I canceled my Audible literally like days before she released. It, so I'm pissed about that. But we'll come around. It's and I've been told I have to listen to it because she's narrating. It's her best performance yet. That's what Brian Tanaka, her boyfriend said. Her best performance. And this is Mariah Carey, who I would argue if Britney is the, is the pop princess, then Mariah is the pop queen. Um... I feel we've got queen and princess energy strong. And well, so the only reason my eyebrow raised is I go, well, where do we put Madonna? I mean, maybe the pop matriarch. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, or if we're doing like a holy trinity, yeah. Madonna's the father. Yeah. Is Britney, Jesus, and Mariah's the Holy Spirit? No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Anyway, keep going. Anyway, but there. I mean, here's what we live in a beautiful universe where like we can all be devoted Mariah fans and devoted Britney fans. I'll be queens and princesses. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the, and we're all so what's really beautiful these days compared to like even just a couple hundred years ago, royalty is something you claim. Your sovereignty is something you claim in yourself. That is not I think each and every one of us is sovereign and we're raised and socialized in systems that teach us that we are not valuable and that is not true. I think that we're all kind of anointed to do God's work here on earth, whether our work is in our influence just from the day to day versus like being a Britney, right? Like where fame is both, it's a tool um, and it can be either good or bad, right? Like kind of the drug, like Oprah said, like it can. Um, and I'm so grateful. I wanted to be famous so young, partially because I just wanted things to be easier. I wanted to have an easier access to creating um, a base of customers you know I've always wanted to kind of own my own thing I would never give my masters away like that feels like a nightmare to me to sign a record contract right like I just I couldn't I, mean, not listen, <laughs> I have a two little anecdotes about that really quickly one of which is my own personal experience uh <laughs> dear listeners what I'm not saying is that I was famous what I am saying is that I had this wild experience when I was like 23 and 24 in which I was in a singing group that went on a world tour with of 30. <laughs> yeah. You've heard of it. You've watched Gilmore Girls. You know what the web The repertoire okay. is pretty lame, so don't go digging. But I, I got to live this experience where we were literally flown around the world for a year, treated like fucking kings and queens. I stayed in five-star hotels in Dubai and Egypt and Milan. And I showed up. I was wined and dined, blah, blah, blah. The amount of self-destruction I did in that year <laughs> is unparalleled in any other year of my life. It was like this crazy experience that was ultimately for me where I was in my mental health, so unsustainable. I spent the next couple of years like recovering from that experience. That's anecdote number one. <laughs> anecdote number two, on personal glimpses of uh, some amount of what that drug might feel like is I have a friend, one of my dear friends, when I moved to LA, I knew one person, uh, Genevieve, she's an artist, uh, quite success, qu 
quote unquote successful commercially artist now. But I've been with, when we showed up to town, she's a visual artist and she was brand new, fresh out of grad school. And I got to help her like be her assistant and do a bunch of shit for her early on. And once she got signed by a gallery, she was treated like a pop star. They're like, okay, you visual artist making work about your, she's a, her work is about being a black mixed or a black mixed a woman of size <laughs> it's and she's the center of her work it's her body at the center of all of it it's self-portrait photography and video and she hit when she, her work came out in LA it hit she had buyers and then she got signed by a gallery and immediately that gallery wanted to dictate okay we have a show coming up for you and this is what we want it to be about and these are the shots we need and I got to watch her be like fuck no this is my art I'm the artist and watch that fight go back and forth. And it was not great. Like it was really hard and she needed them. And you know, they were giving her the gift of like a stage but she's the fucking artist. So at what cost? So I watching her negotiate that was really complex. And she ultimately landed at a gallery that respects her and now is quite autonomous. But at every turn in our culture, we run into this. And I think it's especially true if you're a woman and if your body is the center of your work, Brittany, mm -hmm. there's like this extra idea that you get to be controlled. We need this from you. Your fashion, your fashion to us. So like what's next, what's hot next month? And that's crazy. The way that we do that to women is crazy. It really is. And like fame itself is just like, that's the thing. That's why I'm grateful I didn't get famous young. I'm not even famous now. Like uh being in the public eye and having to grow like the way you need to grow to be like an emotionally functioning human if you were not raised in an environment that treated you with love and acceptance for who you were which most of us were not <laughs> so it's like it's fascinating to me like how lucky i feel now even though i don't i don't always feel particularly lucky when i'm paying my bills but like i feel lucky to not have that because frankly, I don't want to work on bullshit. I don't want to have to manage a bunch of shit that is like the extraneous stuff of fame, right? And like, obviously, I don't live in LA anymore, so the paparazzi can't really find me. But like, <laughs> so I mean, heartbreaking to like not even be able to go to the grocery store or to Starbucks, which we know Brittany loves a Starbucks. Um, right? Yeah, oh, that's an interesting little connect you just did about the um, quarantine. If you're a celebrity you kind of go into quarantine for like a lot of your life <laughs> i read jessica simpson's autobiography after mariah carey's which by the way it's just the one two punch of both of those is basically tommy matola is an asshole and shouldn't get to be producer he was the producer who like was married to he was the head of like sony i think and he was married to to whitney which or not whitney with it was married to mariah whitney was married but not to yeah, so, <laughs> so like, but in this time where like if you hear Mariah's growing up story and then this like record label guy suddenly rolls in and his like comes in with his domineering um, he's very abusive and um but like it's just so unconscionable to like have some it's predatory it's truly predatory and then just like him working with Jessica Simpson obviously he wasn't married to her but like just his constant body critiques and making her like lose weight and wear crop tops that she didn't feel comfortable in and like comparing her to Janet Jackson, who's a whole different human and gets to have different genetics, right? Like it's so violent. <laughs> Jackson, why? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's gross, so. And also 
it's gross. And also that story you just told about that man is how the music industry was created. Mm -hmm. I mean, the one that we know that's normal. Yeah. And I think what's beautiful now is that, I mean, this is what Mariah really touched on in her autobiography, which now I'm really seeing play out in the careers of Jojo and Billie Eilish and whoever else, like, because now we own our connection to our fans, because we can have our own websites, we can have listservs, we can, I mean, obviously Instagram, you don't own that connection. I just want to remind everyone your Instagram followers are owned by Mark Zuckerberg and not you. Um, so you always want to own a connection, at least an email list, right? Like something. Um, it's so an email list also owned by Google. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. <laughs> of all of the giants, Google is, I think, the most benevolent because it's more collectively owned rather than um, just a, 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 a nastiness. I don't know. I feel like, like you know what I mean? I mean, I agree. The, I mean. Google has more of a humanitarian, um, even though it's not perfect working there, it's like of the people I know who work at all the big ones, like it's, Google's the one that actually really cares about making the world a better place. And like, I think the other ones, their privacy stuff is gross. Um, anyway but couldn't agree more whole other podcast let's go <laughs> but i just like think it's important to talk about like how we live in a different time so people can give to their fans and give access to themselves in new ways that are more satisfying and i think we have to figure out how to divest i know there's so many things we need to boycott but like honestly if you're paying money for tabloid magazines or like anybody who's paying money to paparazzi like don't do it you know Ugh. And yeah, you're right. I mean, as you're saying that, I'm thinking of the post Jesse J made this morning, whom I love, most underrated American pop star. She's British, but in America. Uh, she posted like, you know, someone got some uh, paparazzi shot of her with horrible hair, which is so funny. Why do we still have paparazzi? Yeah. And she posted it alongside like 17 other photos of her with the guy that she was with at that lunch and like really humanized it and made fun of it and blah, blah, blah. They can, which immediately devalues the price that that image can be sold for. Yeah, totally. I loved um, Jonah Hill actually just this weekend posted. I read it. I almost sent it to you. Yeah, I, I posted it. It was like. Um, oh, I read it on your, <laughs> who the hell knows. It happens to me sometimes where I'm like looking at a thing and I'm like, oh, I want to send this to McKay. And then I realize, oh, McKay posted this. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, wait. That's funny. But yeah, like um, Jonah Hill just taking that Daily Mail picture and humanizing it and like changing the narrative because that's what we have now we have access to our fans and we can own the narrative whereas in the early aughts pop stars were at the mercy of the mtv machine in order to get in front of people who could buy their cds we don't even have cds anymore we don't even have to wait in line at record stores anymore for our drop no, which is both fabulous and devastating let's be real uh I have a lot of thoughts on that, which we just don't even have to go into. No, I love art. I love, okay, really quickly. Yeah. I love artists today who can, who create events because what an album release used to be was an event. You actually had to physically go. There was like this act, like it was a thing to stand outside. I remember walking into the hot record shop in 1999, Costco, and buying the new NSYNC album, No Strings Attached. Uh, it was like, there's a, yeah, there's a physical tactile experience attached, an event attached to that beyond Spotify. I love our, yes, that's right. 
Um, For people listening to the podcast, I'm now doing puppet hands like the Netflix <laughs> video, which used to be part of my boy band choreography, but it was too long. Ain't no lie, baby. Bye, bye, bye. Um, I love artists now who find ways of creating experiences. Like I remember 2000, Gaga was the master of this. Gaga brought this back to, in my opinion, in pop world. She made fucking events out of everything. Every outfit was an event. Every announcement was an event. She would, she was the one that came back and said, oh my God, I'm releasing my video on Friday and started a countdown for it. And it, and it was being premiered right before another show on television. Like she created a thing that was sort of phasing out. And I love, like, I remember being in Miami in 2011, just after my college semester had ended. And it was a Friday night and Gaga was premiering Judas right before ET Live and gathering around the TV and watching it. And there's something about that tactile experience of like a physical act being assigned to the thing that you're consuming. That's so exciting. And when artists can do that, it's really awesome. Yeah. That is, has nothing to do with freeing Britney. It's fine. We don't have to be total. This is a start before you're ready podcast. Um, in my last uh, podcast with Jeffrey Marsh, uh, I was like, I don't have any white guy producers who are telling me what I can and can't say. So we just get to do whatever we do. What, do what's, what does the label want? What angle do they want? Um, exactly. The label wants nothing because there is no label. I'm the label. I want genuine connection and I want us to have the goddess speak through us so that the people hearing who, the people listening, I feel like it's all metaphysical, right? The people who listen to my podcast, whether this is the first time or the hundredth, well, it can't, well, I guess it could be a hundredth time if you re-listen, but you know what I mean? Like the people who are showing up for this episode, episode 78, they hear what they need to hear, right? And so if we're going on tangents, sometimes those tangents are someone else's liberation. And I think it's part of, I did a lot of coaching around my public um, around media. It's, it was like, I took this media coaching thing because I'd never had on-camera training. I'd always just- I remember when you did that. Yeah, and it was really meaningful to me to like just level up in terms of how I felt unafraid to be myself because I'm in this like lifetime of personal growth. And as I know, I keep getting better. I know I'm going to screw up on the way, but I keep trying anyway. And I know I do get better and I keep leveling up. And part of it is just trusting what comes out of your mouth because I think God speaks through us. And if we're a spiritually aligned person and whatever you, I, no one has to believe what I believe, but I believe my connection to God is why I'm here. And like that I'm meant to make a difference in actual humanity, not like my lifetime, but generations to come because of the people I influence now. I think the true revolution is personal growth. So every person who hears this conversation and is like, ooh, I want to grow in this way, right? Like just inspiring. And you're one of my friends who grows and wants to learn and, and get better. And so that's kind of, we were even talking about this before we started recording, like how I like doing multiple episodes of the same person over years so that we can recognize our growth and, and hear how we've just created an archive that, that inspires others to grow. Because I think growth really is sticky. It's something that other people are attracted to. Hell yeah. My eyes exploded when you said recurring episode because I'm remembering a year ago and just Lord geez, I think it's all like exactly a year ago, maybe a week, give or take. Yeah. What a journey. Yeah. <laughs> like the amount of growth in the last year has been for me. Exponential. What's been your biggest learning takeaway from the quarantine and the pandemic? Biggest learning takeaway. 
God, I have a lot. Biggest learning takeaway, it's something about the body. I got to experience so much, like, so this coincided every year, every time a year starts, <laughs> every January, um, when we arbitrarily mark the beginning of a new year, I set a theme for the year. I don't do like a, what's the word that you're it's supposed to do? It's a resolution, it's a theme. A I have a theme. It's, it's more vibey. <laughs> um, and I, I don't have one month to get it done and then fall off a wagon. There's no such thing. My theme last year was the body. And I didn't really know what it meant. Actually I did. I was pretty clear on what it meant. It didn't mean diet culture. It didn't mean fitness. It meant I want to be able to listen to my body. I want to. I want this to be the year where I actually yield to my body and get very clear about what it's communicating to me. And the and a year ago, right now, I was preparing to run the LA marathon. Largely on. I mean, I was trained, but I wasn't trained for a marathon. I was trained for like 15 miles. I did not train for a marathon, but she was doing it anyway. And I had this. It was sort of wonderful, but also just horrible. <laughs> it was it finished. And I was just like, why the fuck did I do that? Like I remember crossing the finish line. And at that point, I was so depleted of serotonin and whatever dopamine in my body. And I was so tired that I literally was like, okay, cool. Like you imagine I crossing the finish line and my cross the finish line was, okay, now I've run a marathon go lay down like it was nothing it was completely neutral event <laughs> and uh that was and then COVID happened the next week lockdowns began why do I tell that story because the thing I've learned about in it was that was sort of like set the stage if my goal was to level up in my body a great way of getting there was to sort of like throw myself into this that's how I learn anyway I charge into the thing and then and then it usually blows up and then I learned the thing about it so I had that experience felt like why did I do that to my body and how cool is it that my body was able to do that and it ushered in when COVID stopped the world went still I my job ended I actually had just moved and was in between spaces when COVID arrived and therefore was literally and then lost my job so then was literally displaced and the only thing I had was getting really still. And suddenly I had free time and that meant going into nature all the fucking time. And so I started swimming in cold water and I started hiking and I started doing all of these things that like excited and woke up my body and got me super, super, super still. The consequence of that months later is that I now feel very in touch with my body because when the world goes quiet, she's right there. And like, I was able to like learn how to listen. And it led me to many crazy new things. I'm reporting live from Denver instead of LA, which is where I lived a year ago. I followed my body's cues to like a whole nother life, basically. That's awesome. It's, your body is, I think your antenna to the universe. And like, when you get still, your body frequently knows the answer. Um, after my breakup, uh, I really recognized that my body was giving me cues that I wasn't listening to um, about my relationship, which is wild. And then I started just asking myself, what does my body want? And using my body as a pendulum, like I can just ask my body a yes or no question 
and never have to, you never have to answer you never have to make another decision in your life your body will tell you yeah exactly. <laughs> so cool. you know what to do in a moment ask what does my body want and it will it will tell you if you if you get still enough and and know how to look yeah. and shout out to the to the person listening who is like my body doesn't tell me shit <laughs> like that's real that's a real experience and and it's actually like a tool and like a practice. Mm-hmm. I survived eight years of bulimia. I'm, I actually mastered the art of not listening to my body. <laughs> or, <laughs> or like, um, <laughs> and it turns out when you get really still and if you set clear intentions and if you practice, mm-hmm. it's not, it's so, so natural in us that it's just right there. The body can tell, the body speaks. It's just right there really does and and you're right it totally takes like I mean I'm very spiritually aligned and very like in my spiritual practice and my body practice because I know how bad it feels to be out of alignment so it's like it's kind of like the yuck has turned me towards the um I'm like oh I'm gonna just go here into this land where I'm embodied and not dissociated and not not adopting other people's ideas of what success is. I'm really passionate about defining it for yourself and pursuing it for yourself. And, and honestly, like this time has allowed me enough space to really recognize and, and enough contrast from anywhere I've ever lived to really see like, oh, actually being a lawyer made me incredibly sick physically and mentally. Um, I didn't realize it at the time. I was just like, oh, my body's having these weird issues with digestion and like making it okay in my head when now that I have enough space with like understanding what my lifestyle has done and following my true path and all of that, um, honestly, like going through the the aerobics video shoot that we did together. Thank you for being in my video, by the way. I just, I love Thanks it. I saw a the other day of you driving with Manny and I was just like, okay. That crew is so good. It was such a good crew. And like after that, I was going home from the equivalent of doing a half marathon. That's what my mom said, her watch told her after the day. And- I was going home and I was like, this was harder than studying and passing the bar in two states, like just producing this workout video. And it, it really showed me like what my potential was, you know what I mean? And like living out my potential. And I was never living out my potential when I was a lawyer because that's somebody else's thing. That's not my thing. And I feel so grateful now to just be, it's like, I'm, I'm reaping the fruits of like, probably what somebody out there hasn't even even started yet, which is just body acceptance and little habits every day to just align yourself. And you don't adopt all the habits one day. You just do it one at a time, bit by bit. And if you get 1% better every day, you're 3,700% better by the end of the year. So true. And it's so slow and it takes so, it's like such an end game. And then you think, oh, I'm healthier. I have a better body mind connection than I've ever had. And then two years later, you're like, I have a better, like, remember when I was so disconnected two years ago and now I have a better body health connection than I've ever had. It's like, it's very Capricorn. It's very slow and steady and end game. Yes. And it's so important. This is the thing I learned about Capricorns. We have to stop on the mountain climb and turn back and see how far we've come. It's so important. Yeah, that's true. Especially because yeah. Capricorn can be quite critical of not being where it wants to go. <laughs> um, and also, sometimes you just get a fucking flood of downloads onto and things like the amount of growth I experienced in two months in early COVID. What's funny is my COVID had like a reverse curve 
from many of my friends, which was that in the beginning of COVID, a lot of dear friends were having a hard fucking time. I mean, we were in collective trauma and grief, which is so valid. I was not in that space. I was in like, my wildest dream is that the whole world is collapsing and I can run away into the wilderness. Thank the Lord. Praise Jesus. See you never. I had an amazing time. It wasn't until I had to reintegrate into life sort of this fall. I made a move to a new city. I started working again. Once I started reintegrating, then the grief came, then the like the processing came, but it was cool. So, you know, we're on this Capricorn climb and also sometimes she's really good and you just run into a spring well full of gorgeous water and you get to like splash about in it and you get and you can and I think really quick growth can happen sometimes um, but I don't think you get to choose I think it just <laughs> let's decide for you um I think the growth curve is honestly like you can put in one percent more effort every day um and your results are going to be, you just have to focus on the effort, like the results you can't control, yeah. but sometimes that growth does come really fast and you might not even see it. You might just be living. Right. And then eventually you take the pause and look back and you're like, Oh, wow. Very that. Yeah. Um, I have a segue oh, yeah. into two things that are important to me at this moment. As we talk about this, I listened to a great interview today. I never remember anyone's name, but I'll text it to you later if you have show notes. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, an amazing um, South African-American psychologist has done all of this fabulous work about toxic positivity. Mm. How dangerous it is when we, in so many of our, our self-help and or healing communities, it, it's a tool that's readily activated of, okay, What's the hard thing you're going through? Okay, cool. Now turn that paper over and write down what you're grateful for. And then focus on how grateful you are and how good you actually have it. And how everything's actually really, really good. And then you'll be fine. And she has enormous amounts of data to push against that and essentially effectively call bullshit on that. And it's I love hearing this because as a recovering over-optimistic, suppress my feelings person and... Um, yeah, no, just that. As that person, it's always easier to focus. And as someone who's engrossed in or in uh, integrated into lots of healing communities, it's easy for us to go to 2020 was so healing and awesome and so good and blah, blah, blah. And also that's the incomplete story, right? It was really fucking hard. Uh, learning to build a relationship with your body is really hard. For me, it's been horrible <laughs> and wonderful but also like painful and lonely and my year has been lonely and also amazing and both of those things are true and so I want to just mention that uh and also the the real segue that I'm very excited about right now is that this is my concern for Brittany <laughs> Brittany is trapped I mean Brittany is a person who is now uh, in this conservatorship, isn't allowed to speak out. And I just observed from her feed that like infinite and endless positivity, which is stunning and beautiful and so Sagittarian and heartful and gorgeous. And I don't think she's allowed to actually tell the truth. I mean, she isn't, she's legally not allowed to tell the truth. Someone can edit her and I don't know 
uh, I'm not Brittany. I don't get to say what she's going through, but like it breaks my heart to to see someone that might only be allowed, be it from other authorities or herself, to like be grateful and happy and emojis all the time and not be able to be like, remember that time y'all fucking killed me and I survived? Like she's never gotten to do that. I think you're so right. And also like, I talked about this at length. There's an episode I did about shadow work, I think back in November, but like, it's so important to like be present with the things that aren't necessarily positive, right? Like most things need your attention and your love. They don't necessarily need you to be mucking around in them, right? Like if you stay in the dark too long, you stay in the darkness, right? That's momentum. And it's kind of like quicksand, you know what I mean? Like you keep, you can recognize, okay, I'm walking through mud and I have to walk very slow right now but you can keep walking, but you don't have to like paint it all. It's not all rainbows and sunshine. For me, the quarantine honestly has been my real life. Like I just lucked in at luck. It felt like, it felt like uh, getting clobbered by the universe at my 2019, you know, like, and so when the- Yeah, right, right. Like, oh, you mean everyone is stuck at home? So there is no FOMO left for me to have. <laughs> like this FOMO free year where like, I just get to like continue my healing path that I've been on. Oh, okay. And like, and then I didn't get to go on tour, which is fine. Nobody else did. And like, whatever, right? Like I, I have so much touch hunger. Like I really like, I crave, I, I get a lot of intimacy in my platonic relationships, which I'm super grateful for, but there truly isn't a match for like physical intimacy, you know, like, and, and even like with friends, I was thinking about this. If I could travel and see my friends, I would at least get some couch cuddles, you know? Um, and like, I'm just, I mean, I haven't really like snuggled another human being since like my breakup in 2019. Like it's, kind of sad but like also whatever I have so much connection and intimacy in other ways that like in many ways yeah like I'm glad I'm doing quarantine at 42 or I guess I was 41 when it started but like I'm glad I'm doing it in this time because I have so much life I've lived and I have so many good memories and I have so much life to look forward to so it's almost like it's like my mid-season break like it's like it's my writer's strike yeah Uh, I love it that's amazing um First quick question, do you, are you on touching terms with your mother right now during quarantine? I mean, yeah, we're, we're potted together. We, I was you're not, not raised like colors. You're not, you're not, not, my family's not either. Like we hug each other because we hug each other very clearly because that's what you're supposed to do. And it would be Hello and goodbye. <laughs> my dad's hug is like, yeah. And he means it, but it's like, that's not how we were raised. Uh, okay. Just because she's on the mind. Fucking Britney Spears lives in a world where she has been quarantined for 10 years of her adult life. Yeah. Where in fact, it's not chill or casual for her to leave the house, where it is always an event, where there are 18,000 restrictions on her. Um, And I just was thinking about this idea that that must be fucking lonely. It must be lonely. Where does she live? Does she live in Vegas or LA? Yes and yes. Oh, is that where the marble floor is in Vegas? You know what? The answer, my answer is yes, but I'm wondering if I'm wrong. It has to be because that's the house she's been posting at since forever when she was in residency. But I know she has a house in Hidden Hills in LA. I don't know which one is the one she always posts from. I think it's Vegas. Yeah, probably. I'm gonna research. Anyway. I'm also curious how often she gets to see her kids if she does at all. And they must be teenagers by now. 
It makes me feel old that Sean Preston might be that old. Can I tell you one last Britney story? Yes. Related to those children? Uh -huh. Once upon a time when I was in that singing group I told you about, when we'd come to a city, we'd do, uh, we'd do random gigs during the day to just like pick up extra money. And we did, and we would go to these super bougie private schools that would hire us because we were Yale kids. Uh -huh. um, and one of them was like the Obamas. I got to go to their school and sing for them. Yeah. But more important, sorry, Sasha, is uh, going to LA, we were gonna sing the National Anthem at a Dodgers game and we go to the school for a day gig, whatever, assembly inspired the children. And Britney's kids are in the audience there and there. And I'm like, oh! <laughs> um, totally there, totally in the assembly, very exciting. I immediately knew who they were. And then, you know, I had to play it real chill as like little Sean Preston's playing on the playground. Um, so that happened, it gets better. That night, just like being a homosexual, it gets better. That night we sang the national anthem at the gig, at the Dodger Stadium. I'm very high, I smoked something before, which at the time was very fun because then we go and we're doing that. And then all of a sudden we, we sing our song, we're coming off the thing. And my friend Spencer was like, McKay, 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 nudge, nudge, nudge. And then he's like, Britney Spears. And I turn <laughs> and that is Britney. She's right there. She's like 15 feet away from me, right there at the dugout, wearing her cute little, cutoffs and a little tank top and a baseball cap She's looking fab and awesome and it was one of those things where and he it was like just silence and like deep respect it was like it was like sacred it was like immediate deep respect and space and then my friend Spencer was like aren't you gonna get it like a picture and I was like no absolutely not like we're not no it was just like this moment of freeze Brittany turns and goes into the dugout or goes under the thing next to the dugout she she's gone but the story's not over because you turn over here and there are two little boys pointing at us and saying, oh, no, 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 no. And lo and behold, it's her kids. And they're there with Lynn, her mother. And then they invite us over and they're like, oh, come over. The boy said that you were at their school today. And we're like, yeah, we, we were, oh my God. Da, da, da. And Lynn's like, uh, then it was picture time. It was like, oh, do you want to get some pictures somewhere? My friend Lex has on his phone because mine was probably shattered at the time those photos, but we got to like say hi to them. It was great. And Lynn was like, it told, you know, these are Britney's kids as if I didn't know. I'm like, yeah, thanks, I know. But also she called her Britney and did not use Spears, which was funny. Like, it wasn't like, these are Britney Spears. There was no context given. She's like, my child is Britney, you know what's up. And that's my story, <laughs> the end. Wow, um, that's profound. I had never heard that story before. Thanks for sharing that. Um, Okay, before we end, I would love for you to do a visual talk through of the free Britney uh, dance move. Uh, I mean, we can show it for the YouTube, but just like talk us through one arm, one arm, both arms out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a prayer. It's a movement prayer called the free Britney. That's true. <laughs> uh, it's best done to the song Toxic, though you could choose any of your Britney songs. Uh, it's a thing I teach dance cardio like uh, Bevan, and um, I make up moves, and this one's really fun. So you go one arm. Okay, I'm going to talk you through this. 
Mercury and Virgo don't fail me now. Uh, one arm, <laughs> you uh, bend your elbow and you put it in front of your body. So, you're, uh, so I'm looking down, I'm like, ch I'm checking the time. That's what I'm doing. Pick up, you look at your wrist, you're checking the time. Now you send that watch up above your head and then behind and then you let it fall. And then you check the time on your other watch on the other arm. And then you send that up above, up over your face, up over your head and back. And then um, one, two, and then you do it together. You check the time at the same time. So boom, your wrists come together, you go up and over and this time you explode out from behind. So your arm, so I'm trying to think if anyone listening to this could get that, but basically check the time, send it over your head, check the time, send it over your head, both arms together, send them over your head and burst. And then you yeah. just keep practicing until you look like a pop princess while you're doing it. Oh yeah, and you can do it, you can hit it hard, it can be soft, you can do it tall, you can do it small, a lot of variations available. Um, McKay, how can people find out about Mbop Cardio? Um, they can go to mbobcardio.com, actually. <laughs> uh, eventually, I'll have an Instagram, I think, but go to mbobcardio.com and, and or text Bevan, and I'll get you an email, honey buns. McKay is one of those low-key, uh, very magical humans that is just putting out miracles. And so I am so excited. And also, you're going to school. Why don't we just preview it for people in the long game about what your schooling plans are in eight months? I'm so excited about this. Uh, doing a thing I never thought I'd ever do, but it all feels so right and I'm so excited. I'm going to be a body psychotherapist. So I'm going to That's learn- Experiencing. Yeah, somatic psychotherapy um, starting in the fall. At a cool hippie school called Naropa University founded by Jack Kerouac and the Beats. What? Wow. Roots. It's like a Buddhist framework. It's kind of cool. Oh, I'm excited to learn more about that. Um, um, but yeah, body, 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 yaddy, yaddy. Body, yaddy, yaddy. It's all in the body. Um, I love you so much. Thanks for existing. Um, oh my God. Thank you too. <laughs> this is really fun. This is fun. Thanks for being on my podcast again and sharing your wisdom with the world. Um, and I just cherish you. I adore you. I'm excited to just see what your life unfolds into and to you know bring the podcast babes along thank you and let me just tell you that you living in the space you currently live in is serving full gypsy fantasy <laughs> full bali gypsy fantasy and that's really right <laughs> thank you i used to listen to this playlist that was all songs about living on the road. And um, now I feel like I have, I, even though I don't live on the road, I'm, I haven't actually slept out of my bed even one time <laughs> since the quarantine. But I feel like I get to live in this like beautiful fuck. It's awesome. Yeah. I love it. I, I think it's awesome. So high yeah. five. Yeah. Um, a little nugget to end on is that I'm not going to show you because the visuals won't be right. Uh -huh. But I'm watching the sunset behind the Rocky Mountains right now. Uh, <laughs> That's cool. It gets, uh, they're, far, they're far away, but they're right there. Yeah, I, I can see, even today, I saw some uh, Canadian mountains covered in snow from Fort Townsend that are like pretty far yeah. away, but look pretty close. 
Yeah. Okay, right? It's the moment you'd put up the camera. It doesn't, but that's why I'm not gonna do it. It's disappointing, but they're right there and they're really pretty. Aww. Thank you, Bevan. Yay, I love you. I love you too.